Hello and welcome to DC Kaiafa's Better Wherever podcast, where we are better together wherever, whatever the weather, whether we're together or not. And I have a question for you guys. Okay. What's the question? Where was Solomon's temple located? Where? Hmm. Any ideas? Any ideas? In the Bible? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, but no. Um, I don't know. Um, on the side of his head. Oh, <laughs> oh, so I can't. oh man, I think that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's wow, pretty good. man. Well, today I'm here with Natalie and German and Alexis, and we have a very special mail time episode today, which means that we are answering questions ooh, ooh. that you all have submitted. Um, so we have a nice range of questions. I'm excited to get into it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We are excited to answer some of the questions that you have submitted to us and asked us. As Jolene said, we have a wide range of topics and questions um and so we're just gonna go ahead and get started i'm gonna facilitate uh the conversation and the questions and we're just gonna chime in and share our answers um and so the first one we have um is the question was what does a typical sabbath day look like for an average kyle staff person um jolene and i are going to answer this question because alexis in german along with blaine answered this for themselves um i think on possibly last week's podcast so if you missed that be sure to check it out they talk about sabbath and self-care and rest so jolene and i are going to have a chance to share what a typical sabbath day looks like for us for for us as staff we feel very strongly about taking one day during the week that we do no um work like no chi alpha work start to finish and so that looks different for all of us in different ways. So, Jolene, you can go ahead and go first. Yeah. What does your Sabbath day look like? I mean, first, I think it's funny that this person thinks there's such thing as an average staff member. Um, <laughs> as if we're all not on very ends of the spectrum in every way you could possibly think. Um, <laughs> That's true. Um, but for me, I've noticed that the, the main thing that I need for a Sabbath is to not be on a schedule because I realize that in every other day, like everything's so scheduled. Okay, I have to get to work by this time. So I gotta wake up by this time. So I gotta leave by this time. I have to go grocery shopping by this time. So I'd be back on the bus by this time. Like I feel like I just always feel like I'm thinking on a schedule and like when things need to be done and when they need to be done by. And so for me, the biggest thing about having a Sabbath is saying I have nothing on the docket today. Like I don't have to be anywhere at a certain time. I don't even have a to do list. Like I can just wake up whenever I want and just kind of do whatever. So like, yeah. like practically, I mean, usually I just wake up late. I'm able to do extended Devo. I can start it whenever I want. I can finish it wherever I want. You know, I have time to say, okay, maybe I'll go for a walk. Maybe I'll go here. Maybe I'll play some video games. Like, I feel like for me, the biggest thing is not feeling the stress and pressure of a, like, busy, scheduled life to literally say, I have nowhere to be at any time. I can do whatever I want. And that's not the kind of freedom that I get usually during the week, just because life doesn't let you really do that. Um, So that's the biggest thing that I need. I just need, like, the freedom to do whatever. Which is funny because for me, it's not that way. Um, which is just going back to what you said, like we're all on totally different sides of the spectrum yeah. based on personality and needs. Because for me, I agree that the rest of my life is also on a schedule, but as a pretty like scheduled person um, and controlled person, I want to make sure that my Sabbath doesn't get out of my control. Mm. And so, and also like, I'm just someone who likes to be productive, likes to be creative and actually create things, whether that's like artistically or, or just in general, you mm-hmm. know? So I think like there are many, our Sabbath days on Monday, there are many Mondays that like, I have a Monday to-do list, but not like these are my jobs, but just mm-hmm. like, these are the things that I want to do in my time off. This is something that like, I will enjoy. So for me, it, it is a little bit more, maybe not scheduled out, but maybe planned out is a better, mm-hmm. you know, way of saying that. Like I do sleep in, but I, I still usually set an alarm because I don't want to like sleep in too much because I just like, I love having the full day to be, to do stuff. 
that like I don't want to sleep the day away you know yeah yeah um, so like I usually set my alarm just sleep in a little bit later than I normally do yeah extended it always includes like extended quiet time devotional time um you know it always for me includes making meals that I love because mm -hmm. you know I just love having good food and so it always like I'm always making at least one meal that I was like looking forward to making the whole week or whatever. Yeah. Um, and within there, you know, the, the plans change. Like for me, sometimes I let, a lot of times it is like cleaning my apartment, which what does not take long because it's a very small apartment. It's a studio apartment. So like, but because I, I'm such an aesthetic person, I like my apartment to look a certain way. I enjoy cleaning and organizing it and stuff. So it's like always things mm -hmm. that bring me joy. I try not to like, schedule anything that's like an obligation yeah. Um, yeah. or like any sort of like meetings or whatever like it's always even if it's just like productive things for me it's things that like bring me joy um and once in a while I have to like you know do laundry and stuff but if it's in the midst of like being restful and doing things that I enjoy right. having the laundry going like you know I don't yeah. mind yeah um but as far as the things that I do it varies depending on the week yeah um, but definitely like extended Devo time, just yeah. that I'm not like have to be somewhere at a certain time or whatever. Uh, but it is like for me, I really reserve it completely for me. Even if I go see friends or whatever, like, yeah, it's just, it's like a day to somewhat be selfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what I need. Mm -hmm. yeah. And something that like, I don't know if you guys talked about this in your po podcast, but a way it was framed for me is like that Sabbath shouldn't be like a recovery from the previous week, like that you crash into um, the Sabbath day, but that your Sabbath sets you up for the week to come. Like, right. okay. so mm -hmm. that you feel well rested to be able to do all the work that you need to do. Yeah. Um, not just as like a, a crash from a stressful week or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have a follow-up question if I can ask. Yeah. Um, so what happens if like, during the week you don't finish a project do you move your sabbath do you shorten your sabbath do you just wait until you come back in like a work project yeah or i, yeah. I will not do it on my sabbath i'll just work it around my sabbath so either i'll work you know longer day the day before or whatever mm -hmm. or i'll postpone it till the next day i like mm -hmm. I, I'm very protective of my Sabbath because I just yeah. know I need it. Yeah, I guess like it depends on what it is. Like if it's something that really is time sensitive, I'm like, oh shoot, I didn't finish it. Then maybe sure. I'll rearrange. Like maybe I'll be like, okay, I'll do the same as my Sabbath instead or something. I don't think I've ever had to do that. But if it was really time sensitive, I would do that. But otherwise I'm like, if this doesn't need to be done right now, I'll just do it when I'm back in the office on Tuesday. And I think Blaine probably has those those things come up more as like the director and having a lot more responsibility in, in time sensitive things for me like I, I don't feel like there really are as many time sensitive things that like I would have to actually rearrange my mm -hmm. day off for I think with time I've just learned to to prioritize well so that I don't have to do that like when I was an intern I did my like Berean online courses on Mondays because I was procrastinating and just didn't do it when I should have yeah but I've like learned how to manage my time better so that I so that I can protect my Sabbath I think Sabbath is incredibly important um, even for students I just think it, it's like kind of changed completely how I work when I work out of a place of rest so that's a good question for any um, anyone but definitely potential staff members who asked this question <laughs> Okay, next question. This one um, is a little bit <laughs> more uh, in depth to answer, so just prepare yourselves. But I think it's it's timely um, given what's going on in our country and our world. So the question was, does or, or will God judge you based on your race? Um, and, a, and we're going to kind of... Uh, maybe dive a little bit deeper into that question. We don't necessarily 100% know how it was, the question is framed, but we're just gonna take it in, in this way. So if we were to reword it, I think the way that we, we would like to talk about this is, 
you know, one, will God judge us based on our internalized racism or prejudices or any like unconscious bias that we have? Um, or a second part to that question could be, um, will God judge you based on the sins of other people in your race? So with that second one in mind, like as an example, like, you know, if you're white, which, uh, you know, this is probably going to talk more to, to us. Like, if you're white, will, will we be judged based on the history of white people, like, in the KKK, even if we're not in the KKK? Or, you know, something like that. Like, what is God's judgment based on um, race? And I would imagine this is specifically in the area of, like, maybe white guilt. Um, at least that's how we're going to frame the question and answer mm -hmm. it. So, yeah, this is, you know, real life, mm -hmm. real easy to answer. <laughs> I can take a, a, a stab at something that I was thinking about when I was thinking through this question. I think the the quick answer, the easy answer is no, you're not judged based on your race. Like, right. yeah. God doesn't like respect one race over the other. However, I think that this really is a much deeper question than that, which is, and my response is that, like, as believers, um, as citizens of the kingdom, who are also citizens of this earth, um, I do believe we are called to do the hard and humble work of examining ourselves, um, of loving others extravagantly, um, of being more like Christ, of addressing our hearts. And so I think that, yeah, especially as, as for me as a white person, there is unconscious bias that I've grown up with. Um, just because it's unconscious doesn't mean that I have an excuse to not address it and not search for it. And I do think God judges us on that. And by judges, I mean, like, I think we're held accountable for that. I don't think we have an excuse to not um, to, to, to live kind of in like a blissful ignorance of that. Um, I, I think of the verse in Psalm, in Psalms where it's like, you know, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Um, I think that that needs to continually be a prayer that God would search our hearts and cleanse it and bring up the ugly stuff or bring up any hidden sins, even if it's hidden to us. Um, I think that that takes humility and it's a more of a conversation a little bit about our own pride and a willingness for God to bring up ugly things about ourselves, a willingness to maybe be wrong and a willingness to love others, even though my ancestors didn't own slaves, you know, um, that still doesn't change the fact that I'm still called to like love others and mm care for those like the bible is clear about caring for the disenfranchised and the orphans so it's not like he loves one better than the other but i think we are called to like love people like that and, and give of ourselves even if we weren't the ones to cause the injustice but also i think having the humility to know like there's some unconscious stuff or you know this is a much longer conversation but the ways that we've benefited from that even though it might not feel like it um and I do think like we are called to repent even of our ancestors' sins, um, not because we did it, but because we're part of a system that's created that. And I think we see that throughout scripture that people are repenting of the sins of, of their ancestors, you know, and, and praying that God would not, that that would stop with us, you know? So I, I guess like, straightforward answer no he doesn't judge us based on our race but i do think we are held accountable for areas that we've been called to like seek justice and also search our hearts um i think we are going to be judged on like if we have a lazy faith or like an active faith you know what i mean mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah you guys have thoughts on that or stuff to add to it yeah, I think <clears throat> it's interesting. I mean, of course, like, will he judge based on our race? Story answer to that is no. Um, but I think the the question about like internal biases is interesting because like, I mean, judge like a, is a weird word because I think 
God's judgment in general right. is what we talk about. It's like we are judged, but especially as Christians, we have the holiness of Christ. So we judge us according to Christ's holiness, which means that we're perfect, but we're not. Like it's just it's complicated. Um, so God's judgment is a lot, but I think like you know, I think in, like now that you said accountable, I think we are accountable for internal biases. Like I think about Psalms, I think it's David where he he literally writes like, Lord, forgive me of my sins, both yeah. known and unknown. Mm-hmm. And so like there is a precedent in the Bible that we can sin without knowing it. And I would hope that we would all agree racism is sin and that biases and prejudices are sin. Right. Um, and so there is a precedent for that of saying, hey, you don't even always know when you mess up. You don't even always know when you're doing things that are against God, but you still have to ask for forgiveness of that and you're still accountable for that. Like even in the Old Testament, there's even laws about specific sacrifices for the sins yeah. that people committed they didn't realize. Like God is aware that we do things without even realizing it. And so, you know, I think that's biblical. And then I think to the kind of second part of that too, of like, you know, are you accountable for the sins of your ancestors or for other, you know, for white people, for other white people? And I think to a certain degree, like, it's interesting, like to a certain degree, yes, because I think it's interesting that in the Bible, whenever, um, like in the Old Testament, whenever God talks about justice, it's usually like talking to the entire nation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think there is a certain, like, well, if you're part of this country and you're part of the people in this country who are creating an oppressive system, mm-hmm. like, I think God is holding the entire nation accountable yeah. and you're included in that. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, it's not even just the idea of your ancestors, it's the idea of this whole country. You know, I think you could argue, well, not everyone in Israel was oppressing people, not everyone in Israel was taking advantage of the poor, but God didn't just say, um, people in Israel who are part of the system, you know, <laughs> seek justice. He just said it to the whole country. And so right. I think that, like, we should recognize that we're part of that if we're going to say that we're part of this country or whatever country you're mm-hmm. part of. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, and I think... Um, I kind of thought about the, the 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 judgment as well, which is kind of a separate conversation about like God and judgment and stuff. But I do know that um, mm-hmm. like I won't be judged for anything based on but what like I do. And so if that's true, then the question I ask myself is then so how racist have I been? Just straightforward as a white person, how have I been? And if if mm-hmm. I can't think of anything overtly, then how have I been maybe a passive bystander to it or allowed it to happen in my presence? Have I thought any just bad thoughts about somebody else based on the color of their skin or their sexuality or something like that? Um, it reminds me of the verse. It's like, don't look, we're called, commanded, I don't know, to not look at the stick in our neighbor's eye until we look at the log in our own. And I think that directly applies here. Um, and so, and also with the idea of, like, I don't think anyone is exempt from prejudice, whether that's, you know, a man towards women or um, straight cis folks towards people in the LGBTQI community, you know? And so in that case, and then for, as a white person to people of color, like how have I repented for? I think Jolene brought up great points about, like in the Old Testament, we see like literal sacrifices that people had to give for their unknown sins, for things that they didn't, things that happen unconsciously mm-hmm. and not in their subconscious. And so I think that it is biblical to understand that this is how the, you know, the capacity the Lord has created for us to have is, um, to act within our conscious and our subconscious. And if that's true, then I think it's about time that we call ourselves to um, kind of see what our subconscious has been acting in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what I, so yeah, I like the, the distinction of judgment that y'all brought up. Um, and, and I think it's also interesting because even if God were to judge us or not, the world mm-hmm. does in a different way because we see that there's remnants of things and and not only remnants but things create things that create other things so and the kingdom has vastly been affected by the one race um i guess what yeah i mean starting with like the whole like taking people from their homes and forcing them to work as animals right like that was created by one race which then has affected the way we do Christ, mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. I was taught who Jesus was. Like, you know, like the whole, like, even like the whole white Jesus thing was like, you know, it's like it's stuff like that. I feel like God might not judge us, but the world has that, that whole, like, what you, what you plant, you will reap. Yeah. And since mm-hmm. us as the faith have, as in, in our faith, as specifically mm-hmm. uh, white Christians, mm-hmm. um, have created certain things that now we are mm-hmm. reaping the benefits of. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though like back then it was terrible too, like still today we're reaping the benefits. So like, I think that mm-hmm. like there is like 
a, a something has happened. There is a certain certain type of judgment that, that I think that to, without even going to heaven, we are experiencing uh, as as a faith. Um, I also wanted to like talk about something that or not talk about in response to this question. Reference something that I heard from this pastor. His name is Pastor Mike Junior, uh, not Michael Tad. Mike Junior. Love both of them. But this man is my new favorite pastor. He was talking about in his in the pulpit from the, the pulpit. So like straight up, he was like, uh, something, something, something. Is God for Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matters? And I was like, oof, let me see what you're about to say. And he was like, well, he says that he will leave the 99 for the one mm-hmm. so that the one can have what the 99 has. Mm-hmm. So in other words, so so that uh, I can have as a black Christian, as a black man in the faith, can have what my counterpart, my, my other white uh, right. uh, brothers have, Jesus will step out and see the injustice, uh, uh, address it, and eradicate it. So that me, so I'm the I'm the one in this 99 thing. I, I'm the minority. Mm-hmm. So God is willing to leave the majority to address the minority so that the minority can have the majority, uh, what the majority has. And because, again, God might not judge us, but the world does because it, sometimes it's, it, as, as, a, as a faith, we're all called to be, uh, to suffer for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's somehow the, 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 that uh, is unfair. The, the, mm-hmm. the cost is unfair for some that yeah. isn't. And I think I would be fine if, as a Christian, the cost of being a Christian will be unfair for me and my brother, but I'm not fine when we are both supposed to suffer for the gospel, mm-hmm. but I'm, I have to suffer more because of the color of my skin. And I would argue, like, what you're suffering for the color of your skin is not suffering for the gospel, you know? Like, I think that that is true. We are all suffer- We all mm-hmm. are called to suffer for the gospel, but you're, like, I think for people of color and specifically for for black people it's not you're doing this for the cause of jesus it's like this is injustice right. that mm-hmm. is happening in the world and i it also is making me think of you know the story of like the good shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one and also jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son and uh you know the story is that um you know a, a wayward son squanders everything and goes and messes up I'm not equating that with people of color or black people but I'm more thinking about like the the brother who's at home who's like been in the house the whole time and has always done well I always like feel like I relate to him as like what because when the prodigal son comes back the father's like um throws a party for him and like forgives all of his sins or you know whatever and the 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 brother's like what about me? I've obeyed you this whole time, you know, whatever. And I think loosely it's made me think of that because I think the like, maybe folks who would say that all lives matter, it's like the father says to that brother, like, no, I I love you just Mm -hmm. as much. Like, um, and and you got all these good things. You had to live in my house your whole life. You didn't Mm -hmm. have to like, eat what the pigs were eating and stuff but I'm rejoicing because one lost son has found his way back home um so that doesn't like it's easy for the brother or maybe if we're putting ourselves as white people into that position to think like why why would you give him special treatment um or why would you leave everything to go find him and and the father's saying no you've had this the whole time you've had my love this whole time I love yeah. you just the same but here's someone who was lost and I'm rejoicing over justice or I'm rejoicing over that that son being found or coming home or whatever and I think like that's maybe the way we need to think about it is not like that as a white person I'm missing out because we're advocating for black lives it's more saying like Black lives get to experience what I've gotten to experience my whole life um, is the fight that we're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And then I'd also say, like, um, if we're talking about God's judgment, um, I think that there's going to be harsher judgment for those of us who are believers mm-hmm. and live with these mm-hmm. um, unaddressed biases. Um, because it's kind of like, 
I think people will be judged, you know, in, in final judgment day at the end of time. And that's another conversation, but like for not believing Jesus, of course, I think there's judgment for that, but also like, I think we're going to be held more accountable for like knowing Jesus yet still not uh walking according to his ways then like if we didn't know jesus how do we walk according to the ways of jesus if we don't know him you know and so i think like there is going to be even more accountability for us as believers like you know he says this to the pharisees and stuff like uh, he's going to basically say like i i never knew you um because you didn't do this for the least of these or you know whatever and i I just think like in a way we have the church should be like the leading end of this like Mm -hmm. we should be leading the way and and we've talked about this many times but we're playing catch up and i like that's not the way this should be going yeah (laughs) Yeah. totally be the other way around yeah Um, and i think i think we will be held accountable for that yeah Mm -hmm. for playing catch none of us really want to hear but um yeah i think it's biblical Mm -hmm. right Okay, well, we could talk about that for a lot longer, but we're going to move on to the next question, which is a doozy as well. Um, So question three. (laughs) It's a long one, so stay with me. What about faith and the Assemblies of God, which is the denomination that Chi Alpha, as, as Chi Alpha workers, we are underneath, even though we're interdenominational in our makeup, as ministers, we are under the Assemblies of God. So what about the faith? What about faith in the Assemblies of God interpretation? Were you initially uncertain about or uncomfortable with, yet now from your learning and exploration of faith fully embrace? And why? Part two of that question, and what about the flip side of that? What element of your faith or the Assemblies of God interpretation are you still not sold on or perhaps uncomfortable with, and why? So we can like bounce off of each other. Um, yeah, who who's willing to risk their credentials first? Yeah. I'm the only one here. Who's yeah, I ain't got none to risk. So, far, so. I, I will say for me, I grew up in the Assemblies of God. I don't think that by any means I've been brainwashed, but like, I think more of my like wrestling was just more like personal faith stuff in college when I left home. Like I didn't go from like a different denomination or a different religion or whatever and like convert or something like, you know, I, I think for me, it's a little bit harder to ask the question because I kind of grew up in this environment yeah. my whole life. I think yeah. I still have had to like think critically and wrestle with some of it, but for me, it's like, what's kind of been offered to me forever and I think yeah well (laughs) I have other thoughts but that would be a long story so I'm not gonna get there but but yeah I think it's a little bit harder for me to answer only because I I grew up around it and yeah not that that's not been challenged but um I think for me a lot of it has been if to ask the question like what were you initially uncertain about I don't know if I ever like felt uncertain about something because I was around it but I kind of grew into a greater understanding of it so you know big thing being the gifts of the Holy Spirit um it wasn't so much that I was uncertain about it but it just took me some time to really grow into my knowledge of it grow into an experience of it Mm -hmm. grow into an understanding of it Mm-hmm. Um, I think that took time. I think it's important that it took time because you don't want to just like believe something blindly just because right. it's handed to you. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for the experience that allowed me to like learn that on my own. Mm. True. As far as things I'm maybe uncertain about now gotta be careful about this because like (laughs) I said I do have credentials um it's not I don't disagree with this I think I still just don't know and I so it it's end times theology you know the theology of the rapture of the church you know that we're pre-tribulation right now and that believers will be raptured into heaven 
Um, just like kind of the chronological order of things, um, you know, the left behind way of things. Mm-hmm. Like the Islamism of God does believe that we are pre-tribulation right now and that um, the rapture is like a literal, like rapturing up of believers, um, whatever that looks like. I don't think any of us claim to know exactly what that looks like. I did take a class once and I won't say who the teacher was because I don't want to risk their credentials. Um, <laughs> but they kind of just had like posed some thoughts that like maybe we were in post-trib, post-tribulation, like we are going through the tribulation, that the rapture isn't like a literal snatching up of bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that. And it just was really intriguing. I, you know, the idea that maybe we've read Revelation wrong um, as far as like a literal interpretation. Which would be easy because Revelation's like, what are you no, talking about? <laughs> and it is like, a, and it's something that was like offered to me was like, it's apoc- apocalyptic writing, which we don't have yeah. anymore. Right, and, yeah. You know, um, and it's based on a vision, but not necessarily has to be literal. And honestly, the rapture is not from Revelation. It's actually from somewhere in Thessalonians, I believe. Um, so the assemblies of God does believe in that. And I don't not believe in that. I'm just also kind of like way more flexible in being like, if the rapture doesn't happen like that, um, I won't be surprised. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I'm staking any of my faith or theology based on one way or another, but I will say like, um, when I was offered this other perspective on end times, it really for me was really helpful in opening up my understanding of the kingdom of God and like those final, like final judgment and and all of that that I do believe happens in some way and kind of like the, the end battle or whatever of, of heaven and hell. Um, It almost gave me a deeper love for the end times or whatever that looks like, because I wasn't just like based on when will this happen? When will we be raptured? are we allowed to cremate our bodies or not, you know, yeah. whatever, um, which Jeez, people have their own opinions on that. that. I, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, think about it. I'm like, well, I know, <laughs> right, like, and, and the truth is, I don't know if there's, I feel like if bodies are going to rise from the grave, he can also put the ashes back together. Yeah. Like, I feel like right. it won't be a problem but, for God. But <laughs> people have their strong opinions on it. I know yeah. plenty of people who do. And, yeah. um, and so I guess I'm all I'm saying is like, I don't have any disagreement but I also am really willing to hold that with an open hand. Um, and by doing that, I feel like it helped me. This isn't necessarily answering the question, but it's, you know, bonus content. Um, help me to appreciate and understand kind of revelation. It's like that so much deeper. Like mm-hmm. I had, I, I developed a greater love for it. Yeah. Because my mind was kind of expanded on what that could be. Um, so I am fine, you know, saying that that's our theology. I have no problem mm. agreeing with that, but that's one where I'm like, I don't really know if that is actually yeah. how it will be. Um, yeah. But it doesn't change what I believe about God. And so right. that's like, yeah. important. I still believe in heaven and hell and still believe in salvation. Yeah. All right, who, who else wants to risk their um, credentials? Who's going to um, <laughs> I can go. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily have, like, strong things. I Also, because I grew up in a Pentecostal space, specifically, like, uh, uh, a Latino Pentecostal church, which they go far, mm-hmm. like, like, hmm. like, really oppressive, really oppressive. God moves there. I don't know how, mm-hmm. but he's, yeah, um, really oppressive. So like, it was definitely um, almost like a breath, breath of fresh air to be in the, uh, the Assemblies of God denomination, just because it almost was like a looser grip on people. Uh, obviously, it's still accountability and all that stuff. And so I don't really have like one thing that I'm like, oh, no, because it was like, a, again, a looser grip. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I guess, in my own faith, I guess, in the faith, that's just things that I'm struggling to, like, find an opinion on it solid. And I think are, uh, I'm having, like, me, a pers- at a personal, I'm at a personal uh, place where, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, like, what, what should be our stance on 
abortion or mm-hmm. uh, uh, divorce. Like those two things mm-hmm. are specific mm-hmm. are, big, are big things for me. Not that like, oh, I'm not allowed to believe a certain way, but like, like as a as a as a Christian living in the world, yeah. How do I uh, move knowing that like nothing happens in the back and knowing that like things are not as just as black and white as like I wish they were. Um, yeah. So like, those are the things that like I'm. I don't necessarily. I wouldn't. I will make my own personal decisions on. And we were personally we we're refrain from judging in any way uh, because those are two things that I personally do not understand. And I, my personal opinion might differ from like the whatever ministry, or not ministry, whatever um, organization I work for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are things that I'm still like. Uh, trying to like form I don't think I'll probably take a stand on but I'm trying to take an opinion on yeah well it's like yeah, what to, is our mm. role in society not just yeah. like our theology of it as yes, people and morally but also like yeah what is our job in society and some of those things cross over, I think, and sometimes maybe yeah. they don't. And that's mm-hmm. like an interesting mm-hmm. one to navigate for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's interesting. I mean, I did not grow up in some ways of God. I grew up going to non denominal Black Pentecostal charismatic. I don't know how you would describe <laughs> it. Um, and so I think for me, a big thing that I feel like I shifted on this for a very long time because I grew up non-denominational. I had a very negative um, depiction of denominations because in my mind, it was just people who are like, oh, I have a different theology about you about baptism. So I'm going to go start my whole other church. And I was like, well, that's petty, you know? And so I feel like there was a little bit where I was like, I'm not denominational. Like, I just believe what I believe. I make my own opinion. But it's always ungrateful for it. Because growing up, me and my family, we really did just were able to kind of like decide what we thought about each thing. I never felt like I needed to have a label. I was able to just kind of think through things, which I think was good. But I think I, for a long time, was very anti-denominations because of that. Yeah. And so I think being, nice. even before I came on staff, even just seeing the Assemblies of God being in Kaiapha as a student, and then now like working for a denomination. At first I was kind of like, oh man, in order to work for Kaiapha, I gotta like also Still join out. a team. Like I was <laughs> like, I gotta do that. But I think one of the things I've learned is like how important it is to have a denomination for the sake of accountability and support like mm-hmm. the ways in which you know pastors are accountable to people above them in the way that they're able to be connected it's easier to plan a church because you have other churches in the network mm-hmm. who can provide money for you like all these different things having conferences like it's just like there's so much support in organization and i have seen the value in that and that understanding the point of making denominations isn't just to say we're better than you because we have this mm-hmm. theology yeah it's because we literally need a support like a network yeah, right. um, yeah. and so i feel like i've been able to see the value in denominations now and even looking back i'm like oh that's why we had that issue with that non-denom church because there's no one holding the pastor accountable and that's why he could do whatever he wanted with the oh. money because there was no one to be on the board and say you can't do that you know um so <laughs> i think yeah i think there's pros and cons with both for sure sure um but i think it has to be understand the value of denominations in like more organized structure yeah. um that's what i've shifted on um i think things that i'm still like I don't know how to describe it. I'm not saying uncomfortable where I'm kind of like recently thinking like, oh, I wonder if it's different than I've always thought. Um, you know, I, it's interesting. I remember talking to Blaine about the difference between being Pentecostal and charismatic, which is like very like specific. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. a lot of time it's different in the ways people think about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. And I know that like yeah. for the assemblies of God, it's very much like baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues, manifestation of gifts. But I know there are some people who also will say that like, speaking tongues is not necessarily the manifestation of it. Like can someone be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then manifest other gifts, but not speaking in tongues? Like, is it the only way to know? Is it the only manifestation or can you be baptized and then be like, oh, well, now I can prophesy, you know, like can be in different ways. And so I feel like I've been thinking about that of like, oh, I've always just kind of assumed it was the one way. That is also how I grew up. Um, but I'm like, oh, I wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit works possibly a little bit different than we think and that's sort of linear progression so i haven't like landed on either way but i've just been thinking about like oh i kind of just always accepted that it was that way um right. but maybe maybe he works in ways that are not always in that like neat little order and to be clear like the ag theology is 
that speaking tongues is the initial physical right. evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that there's other gifts that come along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that the initial physical or outward evidence right. is like that's how you tongues. know. Yes. And so they would say like that should be the thing that comes first before prophecy or healing or you know these right. other gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of us and people within the AG or the charismatic church, that is a big conversation. Yeah. Struggle with that. Mm-hmm. yeah I think for me um I had a very similar experience to Jolene I also grew up in a non-denom but Pentecostal um, church environment and so when I joined Kyle as a student um I didn't even learn until a little bit further in that they were part of the AG and then I was like oh like I'm pretty sure they believe basically the same thing as me they're just not me so that's fine um, but I think as then joining staff though I ex- just like Jolene, that my biggest qualm, you know, with the Assemblies of God, mostly is just that it's a, a denomination. Um, and I've, I've been in, you know, just trying to uh, learn the difference between the two. And like Jolene said, I think the biggest, you know, pros that I've seen of um, being part of a denomination is for the accountability and for the su- support. Um, and then, and then I also recognize that non-denominational is, in fact, in itself, basically a denomination in this country. So it's, <laughs> it's just funny to hear it that way. But um, someone say it's a Baptist church with a nice website. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. I have not heard of that. That is funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I feel like that's like the biggest thing that I've like was thinking about as I stepped into staff. Um, I guess I'm thinking about it a little bit as I like pursue credentialing and stuff like that but um it's been really nice being within within the denomination understanding how the role of support and accountability plays out and meeting multiple people in this denomination different ministers even outside of Chi Alpha I think it's helped a lot with that um mm-hmm. but yeah I think that was like my biggest thing going in um but now that I'm here I feel like there is like just some things that I'm understanding about the structure of a denomination and I think the biggest <laughs> just put it as nicely as possible is like understanding that with anything that is a um what's the word um uh, like a system or a in this case a denomination there's always a history that comes with that and so sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels like if I were to sign the terms and like say yes to agree to the terms and conditions that means I also carry um the knowledge I'm signing on to something that might not have the best histories and known widely for things that you know even I personally disagree with or how it was played out um and so like this isn't anything crazy and you can see this anywhere but like sometimes I think about how the assemblies of God is known for being egalitarian as a whole which means that we believe that um women can preach and can lead and can teach and pastor head pastor a church and um, we also believe in egalitarian in relationships and in marriage we're not complementarian um, which is like super cool. I think that now being a part of it, even just for, I've been here eight years, so it's not that crazy, but I think I have been recognizing that there is a difference in being egalitarian in thought and maybe even on paper and then actually versus in action. And so that's something that I've been thinking about a lot um, and other things as well. Um, but just kind of seeing how it actually plays out in reality and with numbers and statistics of how many women um, or how many, you know, if we're talking about race, how many black ministers, how many black ministers in Chi Alpha, stuff like that, and or people of color. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot is, I guess probably a good thing is I take it very seriously that if I were to sign on to this, that I am accepting a history. I am accepting how we play yeah. things out as a whole, even though it's thousands right. of people and it's a, you know, not even nationwide, but a worldwide organization. It's like, I want to make sure that if I make this decision, it's fully informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like uh, two thoughts I have on that is like one thing you guys were talking about, like the benefits of denominations being like the support in the system or whatever. I think also like there is something beneficial about clarity, mm-hmm. like about having like clarity on what is our theology, and not that that can't be fluid, but that there's like a system of like coming to that, coming to new understandings, like you know, we haven't forever had a history of racial justice, but I mean, there is a system of changing that and stuff and growing, Mm -hmm. but also like, 
I think so, that's one thing that I've seen as a benefit to denominations in general is like it's it's, it's not like a free-for-all necessarily which I think is sometimes very helpful for people mm-hmm. who are in the ministry also the people the congregation you know it's helpful to have that clarity um and and yeah I think also when it my last comment about denominations too is like I think it's it's up to us to like decide what things are essential and what things are preference and and I think a, there are a lot of essential things mm-hmm. um but then there are some areas where it's like hmm, not really sure or like where we have had to learn agreed like I'm so grateful that we're egalitarian in um, theology. I think we have room to grow in practice for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But like also sometimes I have to be at these conferences or be in these places and be like, okay, but what way is it trending? Mm -hmm. Um, Or what have I seen or what examples have been given to me? And it doesn't always mean that it's perfect, but like, right. do I see room for growth or do I not? That I think that's like pretty considerate. Mm-hmm. Like, if we feel like there is no desire and need for growth, then that's another story. I feel like, um, and we all come to like different conclusions on where we think maybe the assemblies of God is in that. But, um, but yeah, I don't think any of us said anything that is is too too controversial. But just things that I think all of us work through, and I think it's important like to not just blindly. Um, agree with everything that's handed to us without wrestling with it so yeah, that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson would say <laughs> what that's what Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse. <laughs> Neil deGrasse. <laughs> I love that guy sorry Neil deGrasse Tyson I've been watching wow, a lot of so random um okay last question to round us out with one that's not nearly as heavy um yes. what is your favorite quarantine snack I'm sure we have <laughs> all been f- Oh, what go. are our best go. quarantine habits and snacks? What is your go-to quarantine snack? Let me go. I got you. I got you. Because okay. I've become an expert just during this quarantine because I have EBT. I have an EBT car. I have food stamps. So I've been going up <laughs> yeah. and just like testing everything. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I've been testing everything, um, especially when I was in the sea. Uh, but I have to. Uh, stay with uh, Giants. They have the, the, I think Alexis, you showed, you told me about it. I think the muffins. The, the muffins. Yeah, yeah, the four, 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 that won't be enough. So I eat another one. I leave the last one for like when I really, really crave it. Uh, but the key is the microwave. The key is the microwave. Okay, okay. Oh. Yeah, like hmm. just 30, 10 seconds and then. Your Alexa microwave? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I had to leave her. I had to oh, leave her. Oh, that's right. Because she's well, so. Yeah, when you she's probably Yeah, but yeah, when I had her. Surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are like tasty right. muffins. Mm-hmm. And not right. all their baked goods at Giant mm-hmm. are really anything special, but the muffins are, are solid. Yeah, they're pretty good. Pretty the solid. chocolate ones. That's, mm-hmm. that's the one chocolate. I got the chocolate ones. Mm-hmm. My go to lately has been um, I've made quite a few brownies. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a huge oh. dessert person, but I do really brownies. enjoy brownies. Yes. We always grew up on the like, I think it's Betty Crocker uh, recipe that's actually with like just cocoa powder. And it seems like it's harder than just like, I mean, it is somewhat more involved in the box mix, but it's like, it's all things, as long as you buy, you have cocoa powder, you kind of have like, like endless ingredients for brownies. It's like flour, sugar, eggs, vanilla, and cocoa powder. Mm -hmm. So it's almost easier than like being like, oh, I want brownies. I need to go to the store and buy a box. Like I just have the the stuff in my apartment. So I've made quite a few brownies um, and I'm getting a little bit creative with how to make them. I don't know if anyone watched the recent Bon Appetit video of how to like spruce up your brownies. So um, <laughs> adding some little things in there too. Um, it's just like been, a, a, you know, a little project, a baking project that's not like too involved, but also like, I love brownies. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably should not Same. be eating as many as I am, mm-hmm. but. You know, here we are. Yeah, you, know? well, you got neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well. 
I recently realized that I have had the diet of a kindergartner mm-hmm. um, <laughs> because when quarantine started, we bought this big <laughs> box of goldfish. I called oh, it our no. apocalypse goldfish because it was like a huge box of goldfish that lasted us several weeks. And so then I was eating that. And then I also just got really into applesauce and I was eating a lot of applesauce. Yeah, yeah, applesauce. Is and then the other day I went to the store and I got some animal crackers. Yeah. Yeah. and so like i'm just like school. this is i know but literally though i think this is my new favorite quarantine snack i got um animal crackers and as a kid i used my favorite snack was to dip animal crackers in vanilla frosting um <laughs> but this time yes i got cookie butter and i've been mm-hmm. dipping animal crackers mm-hmm. in cookie butter and it's, it's like slaps. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> it's like showing that i've gone into adulthood <laughs> yes yes some cookie butter is delicious. Cookie butter, so good. So that's been my snack. It like it hits the spot. It's amazing. Nice. I highly recommend. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me, my quarantine snack, I've eaten consistently ice cream, maybe in different forms, but it's always been ice cream. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. Doritos. I've been red. That those have been my go-to snacks. Some Doritos. Wait, what's the second one? Doritos, the red Doritos? kind. Doritos. Red. Like, what's Doritos red? Doritos red. <laughs> the normal. Okay. The nacho. Yeah. Nacho cheese. Yeah. 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 And then the some ice cream. That's me. The ice cream. I do. I'm a. I. I am a chip person. Any kind of chip. Anything that ends in O's, toes, Cheetos, Doritos, Fritos. Eatos. I'll eat those. Lays. I would. I just could eat them all the time. Doritos. I just. That's when I have like the palate of like a middle schooler when it comes to chips and like mm-hmm. Cheetos and stuff like that. Just give it to me. Yeah, I love it. Um, Alexis, real quick, mm-hmm. uh, just to recommend, just to recommend, you could also get a Froyo, uh, you know, not Froyo, uh, Slurpees. Mm. Not Slurpees. No, not Slurpees. No. What's the thing? <laughs> Gogers, Gogers, put it in the refrigerator, frozen, and eat them. Oh, yeah, oh like snap! Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. yeah. And also, only by Ben and Jerry's because we're a Ben and Jerry team now. We're a Ben and Jerry's, ben and Jerry's yeah, for yeah. life. Oh, yeah. a thousand yeah, yeah. percent. And I, I used to spend a bunch of money on them before, and now I'm not guilty. I, yeah. I told everyone, I said, I said, support black owned businesses and Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ben right. and Jerry deserve it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, Ben and Jerry's. Well, we hope that you enjoyed us answering these questions, some um, very deep, some just informational, and some maybe a little bit silly. Uh, That's our aim with this podcast in general. So uh, if you have more questions for us or want to interact with us, feel free to comment or message us, reach out to us. Thank you to all of you who submitted questions. We hope that we um, did your questions justice, and we hope that you're enjoying uh the better wherever podcast i know that we are enjoying making it so um, we hope you enjoy this episode uh let us know what your favorite quarantine snack is mm-hmm. um and yeah one way one day we'll be back together but for right now the better wherever mm-hmm.